always wanted to do this. And the flowers are still standing. Okay, on my go, single. Spangler, I want a confinement stream from you, okay? Go! Okay, hold him up there. He's gonna move. Hold him up. Go! Working, Ray. Start bringing him down. Start bringing him down. You got him. Go across the street. Maybe right. now you'll never slime a guy with a positron glider, huh? Thanksman, shorten your stream. I don't want my face burned off. All right, I'm opening the trap now. Don't look directly into the trap. I looked at the trap, Ray. Bring your streams off as soon as I close the trap. Get ready. I'm closing it. Now! It's in there. Wasn't such a chore now, was it? Mr. Smith, quickly, I want that door open now. Don't stand over there. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Did you see it? What is it? We got it! Oh. What is it? Will there be any more of them? <coughs> Sir, what you had there was what we refer to as a focused, non-terminal repeating phantasm or a class five full roaming vapor. Real nasty one, too. Well, now. <coughs> Let's talk seriously. Now, for the entrapment, we're going to have to ask you for four big ones, $4,000 for that. But we are having a special this week on proton charging and storage of the beast. And that's only going to come to $1,000, fortunately. $5,000? I had no idea to be so much. I won't pay it. Well, that's all right. We can just put it right back in there. Thank oh, you. We certainly can, can Dr. No. Beckman. No, no. All right. Anything. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hope we can help you again. Coming through one class five. And that is our Joygasm featured moment of the week there. And of course, unless you'd have no idea what that is, that was a scene from Ghostbusters. He didn't let the music play. Well, I don't know how much we can actually play before. You know, I'm trying to reduce the uh, likelihood of us uh, not being able to post stuff on YouTube. You know, Ghostbusters. I tell you, that, so that, that movie came out, I, th- I, I think, in 1984, I believe, is when that movie was released. And uh, what a movie, Steve. What a great movie. What great, a great movie. script. Yes, that was one of the absolute secret sauce ingredients to what made that movie so, so good. And the fact that they just had, I mean, you had a lot of the, the folks from Saturday Night Live who came over and decided to make their own movie and... Yeah, there, there was just, it was like the perfect storm of all these different components that just ultimately made a fantastic movie. Well, but you, that was from a kid's cartoon, and then the adults liked it. Actually, the cartoon came after the movie. Really? It did? It did. Man. Yeah, that was a, a creation by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis and no Ivan Reitman. Yeah, they had not know that. Because uh, if you think about it, the, the the cartoon came out... I want to say in 1987, right around there was when the cartoon came out. So it's it's interesting to see just how all this stuff took place. If, you know, and I'm going to double check the, the date on that, because I, I know I said 1984. It may have been 1986, come to think of it. Let's see here. When did Ghostbusters 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's thinking, oh, yep, I was right. June 7th, 1984. I love it when a little thought actually works. <laughs> <laughs> love my brain functions. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. When the brain actually cooperates. But um, no, that particular scene, of course, was when they got Slimer. That was our, our first, uh, well, not, uh, technically it was our second uh, meeting with him because the first time it was when he slimed uh, Peter Fankman. <laughs> But it was great to be able to like see how that whole thing came about and, and everything just, it was so cool to be able to how, I don't know, the, the, the outfits, the proton packs, the personalities, of course, thinking of Ghostbusters, Peter Venkman was, was the ego of the, the Ghostbusters, Ray Stance was the heart, you know, Egon Spangler was the brains, and, he, and even Winston, when they brought Winston on, he was he represented just just kind of the the hard work ethic of the Ghostbusters. It was just really really cool to be able to see it. But I think one of the nicest things, or maybe, maybe nicest is not the best way of saying it, but mo- some of the the most memorable scenes from that movie was seeing kind of that uh, kind of blue collar esque. Even though technically they weren't, it was more white collar because they were scientists. But still, it was just it was like kind of the working man versus like the the elite that of uh, of the world, and and just seeing that go on in New York, we got a little glimpse of that. Like when they caught Slimer and having that pretentious attitude, and how they're just like they just kind of rolled with it. They're like, okay, well we can put him right back in there for you. And just- <laughs> yeah. Ego only goes so far and pretentiousness only goes so far. It's funny because uh, some of the white collar jobs are really, really high paying and out there. And But you need the blue collar to make the white collar in a sense. Mm. And uh, sometimes the white collar forgets about the blue collar. <laughs> and that blue collar is very, very important. It is indeed. I remember a, a contractor, a customer of ours, uh, way back when, uh, was working for one. I don't, you know, I don't know the person, but very wealthy client of his, and uh, he came in to pick up his uh, one of his, one of his trucks we were working on, and he says um, he was kind of upset. We're like, hey, you know, everything okay? Like, what's going on? He says, oh, I had to take back some of my work. Take back some of your work, like your contract. Like, well, how do you like return it? Like, what? Do you? He says the the person who he was working for. They had given him a job and <laughs> and he completed the job as detailed. And then the person said, no, I'm not. I don't want to do it because um, it's not the way I had imagined it. And so I'm not going to pay you for the job. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> then he started saying, well, if you're not going to pay me for the job, I'm just going to deconstruct what I've constructed. And so he and his crew started like whacking out like sheetrock walls and stuff, taking back their work. And the guy called the cops. And the police came and they were like, hey, what's going on? He says, well, well I, I told him I wouldn't pay him because uh, <laughs> this wasn't what I imagined. And the police say, well, we can't do anything about that. You need to pay the man, you know? <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, it, this movie, actually both movies did a really great job. This one in particular, though, just, you know, with Walter Peck being uh, <laughs> as anal as he was right. and everything else. I mean, the the actor who played Walter Peck did such a great job. And even in, in Ghostbusters 2, when they had more of the politicians, and I can't remember off the top of my head the character's name, um, but just the slimy politician that was trying to thwart the Ghostbusters throughout the entire time. I really felt like Ivan Reitman... And uh, the actors in there did such a, a bang up job of <laughs> making them just as obnoxious and incompetent and everything else as, as possible. So um, it's a movie that I'm 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's again, it's, it's one of those classic pop culture films. And I am looking forward to, with cautious optimism, <laughs> the new Ghostbusters that is uh, slated, I believe, to come out next year. Is that right? Mm, that sounds about right. I'm hoping that uh, it, it has a return to glory because uh, the last one that they released was uh, just a train wreck. It's terrible. That clip that you played, though, is, doesn't quite capture the sound effects as if you were to watch the regular movie. The regular movie has kind of more of a punch to the... Indeed. The, those proton packs. Indeed. Well, the good news is we have a lot of episodes ahead of us, and I'm sure we will be revisiting this film and showing off yet another memorable scene because that film is chock full of like just great dialogue, great scenes. I mean, do I have to even say aim for the flat top? <laughs> You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevovich. And there's Webhead drama in episode 136 today, August 22nd, 2019. You know, originally we were going to have our topic of the day be uh, focused on Gamescom. Uh, but we were checking out Gamescom, and there really wasn't a whole lot of stuff to to get all hot and bothered over. In fact, it was uh, a little bit of the opposite. And really, I mean, I think just if we were to comment a bit out on it right now, um, you know, one of the, one of the things I've, I've got to share with you, Steve, you know that up until this point, I have been very much looking forward to Death Stranding. I know. I, I've been really uh, looking forward to the efforts that Hideo Kojima and his team have been putting forth. And uh, I am now officially nervous. <laughs> I must say, you, the, the trailers that led up to this point over the last couple of years, I was willing to give a pass because I was thinking to myself, okay, they're trying to like drum up this sense of mystery and, and almost like an X-Files-ish kind of uh, setup. So that way it, it makes people ask questions and causes that hype machine to build. But after watching the, the quote-unquote gameplay demo that they showed, I'm a little nervous now, Steve, because um, when when they decide to feature... Norman Reedus's character uh, urinating and you being able to control where he urinates, uh, I think that that is a little problematic. Um, <laughs> not that I think that, like, you know, obviously, if you were to... <laughs> create a control, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so I... Back in the day when, when I when I was uh, game testing The Sims, um, you know, of course, The Sims have a urinate mechanic in there. You have to let them go to the bathroom, you know, as a part of play Digital Dollhouse. So it's nothing, you know, the, the whole urinating thing is nothing new. However, when you have a game that is supposed to be at the forefront of this bleeding edge tech and approach to like how you actually create a game, I don't think that that should be something that you necessarily lead off with as a featured gameplay demo because uh, Cyberpunk 2077 certainly did not do that. At least not that we know of. Not that we know of yet. I haven't I haven't seen very many people comment on uh, Twitter or Facebook about dying to be able to, to let your character take a whiz mm-hmm. and or where to take a whiz. Well, and I do think that in terms of having a more realistic experience with your character, like Red Dead Redemption 2, for instance... There was a lot of, go- of stuff where, like, you know, if, if you were to um, 
go hunting. You need to cook your meat. You need to eat that meat within a certain amount of time um, or drink or you need to let, let um, Arthur Morgan get some shut eye. You know, I, I remember there were times you were talking about how like he was stumbling along and you're thinking, what is the problem? And finally you realized, oh, he needs to rest. So I do think that if you are successful in implementing some of those real world mechanics of just um, hygiene and taking care of yourself and doing things that just the human body needs to do, then it's like, okay, cool. Like, like it does make for more immersive, realistic experience. However, like I said just a little while ago, I think that when you are going to be showing off actual gameplay footage of your game, you need to show things that are a bit more compelling. Well, especially since they haven't really shown us anything except for cutscenes, Right. So no one really knows what you're supposed to do in the game except you're walking outdoors and you're climbing rocks and you're making little campfires and, okay, great, you're carrying in a baby and there's some some spirits, some dark spirits or whatever there are that, that uh, try and hurt you. Absolutely. But what else are you supposed to do? I mean, if, it, if he's creating a movie, then cool. Everything looks very mysterious. You know, mysterious, and I, I'll go see the movie. If you're making a game, what exactly is the game about, and why aren't you showing us some action game play that uh, we've all been dying for? Because every every single clip, it's like I don't know what's going on, Russ. <laughs> okay, yeah, it looks it looks like it's rendered. It looks really like good, an art but, film. That's what it looks yeah. like to me. It's like an, it's like an artsy fartsy film. Um, and, I, and you're not alone. I think that that is the general consensus of the gaming community is when we look at the trailers, we're like, I have literally no idea what's happening. I mean, as a graphics tech demo, it looks outstanding. I mean, like the graphics fidelity looks really impressive. The The actors look just like their counterparts and stuff. But again, are we going to be watching a movie or are we playing a game? And I think... I am not willing to 100% give up on the game itself yeah. because I will say I am reminded a little bit of Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain, which was Kojima's last title with Konami before he got fired. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, <laughs> I know <laughs> the word just kind of got caught up in my esophagus. Um, Your mucus says Tourette's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So in that particular game as well, you're doing a lot of traversing through the, the Middle East or a section of, of the Middle East, and you have this kind of sandbox mentality within that game. And I still need to beat the title. Um, and I do recall that a lot of the reviews that came out for Phantom Pain, they gave like 10 out of 10. So I will say, though, like I'm not, I am no longer actively defending the title like, oh, no, it's just going to be fantastic. Like at this point, I think I'm kind of 50 50. I'm 50% nervous and I'm 50% excited for it. And we're going to find out one way or another because isn't the game still slated to come out later this year? Uh, later this year? We'll have to double check on that. I, I'm not going to look into it, Russ. The thing is, though, too, we were getting really excited about seeing Anthem for the first time. Right. And then that was also like, you know, okay, it looks cool, but. What is the story? Like, what are they talking about? And they have panels and they would talk about the history of the story and right. what's happening here and there. And then it seemed like they were always beating around the bush. And then we got the game. Yeah, the game was, you know, kind of fun for 20 minutes. And then we thought this story is like, we still don't understand what's happening in the story. Well, the the, the combat mechanics were awesome. I, I really well, did enjoy a lot of that. But yeah, it just, the, from a story standpoint, it was half-baked. And <laughs> from like... 
and even from the the different um, plot points of the story, they were not accurately executed upon in the game itself. And I think that that was one of a one of the big bummers because they they really could have salvaged that game. But anyway, we're digressing a little too far away from Gamescom. Um, what did you think of some of the other titles that were shown off at Gamescom? By the way, it's supposed to come out in November. November of this year. Okay, yes. I, I thought it was. I thought it was coming out uh, end of this year. So a lot of the games, I, I just really didn't. They didn't tickle my fancy. I, I liked the only one that that came out or that, that's that was shown at the show was uh, Everspace, mm. and I had been wanting a good little spaceship shooter for a long time. I yeah, mean, me too. The, my my last favorite spaceship shooter was Thunder Force Four for the <laughs> Genesis. That was a good game, and I have not played a very good shooter ever since. Right. There's been some that have that have come out that have been decent, but by and large, it's it's been a genre that's been forgotten. Mm-hmm. So when we saw that, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, I agree. I saw the the game with you, and I was very impressed by the art direction of the title and um, just the the different vistas that you were visiting and and the the combat itself. Yeah, I think it's time for us to have a, a, just a, a quality space shooter again come around. And I gotta say, I was playing, um, and I'll get into this a little bit later. But I was playing a little bit of uh, near Automata, and the the beginning of the game actually starts you out as like a top down shooter, like you're in a sci fi futuristic looking spaceship, and you're flying around and stuff. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want another game like this. It's been so long. It's been too long. I would wager. <laughs> but anyway, did you have any other comments about that game? No, I, I, you know, I want to say that I did like the pace at which the show was carried because mm-hmm. sometimes when you get, when, when you get people standing up at E3, for example, you get this grandstanding, get a lot of talking and people just want to see the games. Yeah. This, you didn't have a whole lot of talking. The talking that happened wasn't very impressive. I mean, uh, what's his face up there was asking people questions that everyone was like sidestepping the question pretty much. Yeah. Like, you know, how, how long did it take to work on this? Well, I think fall was, is coming up pretty soon. It's been <laughs> hot outside. You know, <laughs> like, what are you t- I mean, that wasn't a question and an answer, but um, it was that type of thing that was happening. I'm listening. Like, what are you guys actually spending this time on? If you're not going to answer the question, no one's at, just show us the games. I do feel like that we are in a transition where, they're wanting to have more legitimacy within the gaming community, which they should. And so when it comes to like the video game awards or even Gamescom and they're, they're just, they're trying to copy a lot of like what Hollywood does with the Oscars or the Grammys or something, you know, like where uh, you have a host of a show and they want to try and get out some little tidbits of, of like exclusive info or whatever it is. But when it comes to the video game community, like they're just not used to doing that. And you have people who've been stuck in an office working overtime and crunching and everything else. And you know, not so much are they used to having that type of being in the spotlight and answering those types of questions in a very succinct manner. (laughs) Steve, how's it going? It's going good, Russ. Nice to see you back in L studio. First I thought you were going to say L a, you had me there for a moment. Uh, <laughs> no, Russ. L as in E L. Gotcha. Not it's it's uh, E T's cousin. You're not E T, but E L. Hmm. Well, it is good to be back, Steve. It is 
Well, okay, so it's good to be back to see, you know, your lovely mug. I'm glad I'm first. Uh, but I got to say, uh, <laughs> what I'm not happy about is coming back to the humidity because I was over in the Reno Lake Tahoe area and I was able to just get away from all of that and have more of a dry heat, mm. which I will gladly take over the wet, sticky humidity. Everybody likes here. sticky. I don't think I do. I'm not one of the sticky types. I know what you mean, though, because there are certain people out there who just like, oh, I love it. I love the summer in Texas. It's great. It's uh, I go out and I, I just go for a jog. It's great. I just love to sweat and sweat and sweat. I'm like, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> Sweating is manly. I don't like having the sweat dripping down the crack of my behind. That's disgusting. I don't enjoy getting monkey butt. I, you know, I never got it. Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. Good for you. Thank you, Russ. I, uh... But then again, you don't really walk much outside, Excuse me? You go to the gym, but you don't go outside. I, well, I, well, I don't like walk and jog and stuff. I mean, I still, Mm -hmm. like, mow the lawn. That's different, Pulling weeds. Yeah, when I first moved out here... I used to walk quite a bit. I'd walk an average about three miles a day. And uh, that was a mistake because for some reason the chafing started to occur. And before I knew it, I had the ass of a baboon, Steve. That's disgusting. Right, red and angry. But it's your own fault. It is. I never got it. So while I was away, Steve, what (laughs) have you been up to? Well, I will tell you. I finally changed my address. You changed your address? my Netflix so I don't have to come see your baboon butt. Well. To come get my movies. My goodness. A new page in the chapter of Steve. All the mail is going to where it needs to go, including mine to me. We still received a shipment for you, though. We got yes. some kind of box. It was yes. a little heavy, too. I don't know what yes. was in it. What was in there, Steve? Um, soap. That was the heaviest soap I think I've There's ever felt. There's about 24 bars of soap in there. Well, now I know why. I don't, you the, don't get baboon butt. <laughs> yes. See? I need <laughs> hygiene and I get along, Russ. You scrub your body enough to <laughs> remove any kind of sticky whatsoever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, anyhow, back to the topic at hand, you know right? mm-hmm. So, I watched a couple <laughs> movies. You watched some flicks, huh? I did. What I, did you watch, Steve? I watched Mile 22. Mile 22. With Mark Wahlberg. Okay. I don't think Ronda I've... Rousey's in it. Uh-huh. Actually, we saw that preview. It's the one, I forgot what movie we saw it before, but... They're with a, uh, a group, a government secret agent group called Overwatch. Oh! I remember saying that on the show, like, what, why do they call themselves Overwatch? I mean, there's a game and it's like everyone's going to think about it. Anyway. Did they join the Mile High Club, Steve? No, they did not. Oh. Anyhow, um, not a bad movie. Got any you know, popcorn flick, average, you know, entertainment, nothing great, nothing terrible. Uh-huh. I watched the second Sicario movie. Oh, and how was it? I, I want to watch both of those, actually. The first one is good. This one leaves you hanging. Does it now? Yeah, leaves you hanging. little uh, cliffhanger at the end, or well, were you just wanting more? I mean, yeah, I was a cliffhanger, but 
it just seemed really, really odd for the story to end there. Like the story was picking up and then it ended. Mm. And it's like, well, okay. and, and, and. And how was Benicio Del Toro? Uh, he was good. I love me some Benicio. I know you do. And Josh Rowland was in it? Is that right? Joshy B. That's yeah. right. The pre-Thanos. Very nice. Right. Let's see. I'm oh, a fan of the bro. And I beat Conquered. Uh, the, uh, you beat what? The Call of Duty. I, I was called to the duty. <laughs> I conquered the duty. Call of Dookie. Wait, what? <laughs> I was on my porcelain throne and I told who number two worked for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my body was calling me to do the duty. <laughs> and I conquered. <laughs> I came, I didn't see, I didn't saw. Indeed. But I conquered. So that was the World War II. Yes. Okay. So did you leave satisfied? I did leave satisfied. Good. I probably will check that out then because I was waiting to hear what you thought of that. Yeah. I still need to get through Battlefield Mm 1. Yes, you do. And that's why I'm a little bit timid on bringing it over here because I'm probably never going to see it again. Do you mean "Mm -hmm." tepid? I don't know about tepid. Timid, you're, you're kind of, what, are you scared to leave? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little, a little nervous, a little scared? Yeah. Oh, okay, well. All right. And you still need to bring over my external hard drive, FY to the eye. Yeah, well, I got, the games of mine are kind of starting to build up over here too, Russ. Okay, we'll do a trade. <laughs> I don't trust you. Same time, man. Same time. <laughs> you have your camera watching you. You have a camera watching me. Got a bodyguard and a sniper. That's right. <laughs> you see that red laser? Yeah. No, that's not my keychain doing it. There's a sniper. And after that, let's see. Oh, I started season season six oh. of 24. 24. Well, good. You're, you are yes. continuing on. Yes. Well, good for you. The show is so pro, Russ. It is. I've been telling you that for years. That is so pro. That's so a pro. great movie. Well, not movie, but it could be a movie. I mean, it's a great TV show. Yeah. Man, just absolutely nuts. It's fantastic. Is there anything else, Steve? Hmm. He's thinking. No. He's looking up at my ceiling. I've been continuing a little bit of of uh, Longmire. I, a little bit of Longmire. The show that goes on and on. It it does have an ending. Oh, it does have an ending, but I'm not there yet. No, he's not there yet, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's that's about it, Russ. Well, I must say I had a good time with Shawnee. Shawnee went out and visited my boy Shawnee. Sean. Haven't seen him in a year. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that we did that was so appropriate was we played a ton of video games. And the game, so it was interesting because he's really been into PC gaming lately. No, traitor. Trying out quite a few different games. That worked out great because I got to go into his Xbox and sign my profile in. I thought I noticed you do that. Steve, I played... Pretty much one game and one game only during my my trip there. Uh-huh. Sekiro. That's what I thought you were playing. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Die thrice? Die lots of times, apparently. Just don't die with lice. So I... <laughs> <laughs> You've seen me play that game here. Yeah, and I've gone to sleep. 
and it was like yeah. super hard. You know, I mean, I kept dying and dying yeah, and dying. Twenty fourth attempt, I started passing out. I am telling you. So the good news is, I've gotten a whole lot farther than where you saw me last. Yeah. Uh, the bad news is, is that the game continues to ratchet up the difficulty. It's insane. And actually where you saw me, that was like pretty much at the beginning of the game. I realized that it, I mean, I thought like, well, maybe I'm like 20% of the way through or something. No, no. So you basically got to the next level. No, actually I got, (laughs) um, I would say I'm roughly halfway through the game. So that game, Steve is probably the hardest game I've ever played in my life. It's one of those games that it kind of reminded me of Ninja Gaiden in a way where like it forces you to like learn their combat mechanics and it rewards you as you bend to the game's will. But I would um, go so far as to say it's actually harder than Ninja Gaiden. Mm. And there are bosses in that game. Let me just say, for those of you who have played Sekiro, I understand your pain when it comes to Lady Butterfly because Lady Butterfly is hands down one of the most... Pain yet! Totally. (laughs) Controller-crushing, hard bosses to, to vanquish. And it was just so... Oh, my goodness. I was cussing up a storm. It was so bad. Yeah. Even Sean was getting a little nervous. He's like, dude, you need to chill. So, but no, it's been a lot of fun to be able to play. It's, it's weird because I have a, a complicated relationship with that game in the sense that I think the game is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's probably one of my top games of 2019, but the game makes me so angry because it's so hard to get through. Needless to say, though, what's nice about uh, being able to sign in in your profile to different Xboxes and because the game, you know, we Sean ended up buying the game at his house. I was able to just keep going through my um, continue, you know, my, my saved game. And so it's just fantastic to be able to not have any distractions and then get farther along. So did that. I also went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with my lady. And uh, that is, um, I, w- I will go so far as to say, okay, so that it is not one of Quentin Tarantino's best. No, you don't say. I just did. <laughs> and there are, and to, you know, to also make sure everyone understands, I actually am a Quentin Tarantino fan. I do like a lot of uh, his previous efforts like Kill Bill and uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Quite a few of those like are, are really fun to watch and Glorious Bastards. But this one, though, it was just... Wasn't Kill Bill by Quentin Tarantino? That's what I said. Oh, I was thinking about it. I, I, maybe I Volume one and two, Steve. Mm, there you go. This particular film, however, uh, it was just, there really wasn't much point to it. It, it was kind of like they, they they were following around these, these characters. And I think the saving grace of this film is the fact that, that there were such interesting cast members who got the part. So like everyone likes watching Margot Robbie. Everyone likes watching Brad Pitt. Everyone likes watching Leonardo DiCaprio. And so like just having them be on screen and do their thing it's like, okay, you know, it's just, just, I'm just sitting here doing my popcorn eating things. I watch the, like the last 10 minutes of the movie actually are really engaging, entertaining and fun. And, you know, just seeing what's happening. But a lot of it is just, it's almost like he didn't know like, like how he wanted to approach this material because I don't know if you know this or not, but the, um, some of the characters in the film, revolve around the, the Charles Manson, uh, murders. So like, like he ended up murdering, um, some celebrities and stuff. And, um, 
what was weird is that the movie itself, it kind of touched on it a little bit, but it didn't actually go all the way and explore that area. And honestly, I think that would have been really neat if Quentin Tarantino decided to actually have the, the film squarely focus on the events that transpired that got Charles Manson and his little uh, concubine, uh, I don't know, hippie trove, all uh, placed in jail and all that other stuff. So anyway, consider yourself lucky, Steve, because I was thinking about you, as was my wife when we were watching. We're thinking, I think Steve would be. Not liking this film very much. I'm glad that you both are starting to become aware of good taste. Well, Steve, you know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's not so much being aware of good taste, because we have good taste. It's oh, just really? looking at something and realizing, <laughs> yeah, old man Perkins over there is probably not going to like this. Yeah. Now, another game I was playing while I was over in the Reno area is Near Automata. And that was a game, if you recall, was uh, developed by Platinum Games. It's a game that I've been wanting to play for quite some time. It's been out for about a year or two. And, uh, man, it's so... Man, it's a good game. Super good game. I can't believe I waited this long to try it out. But that was something I was really looking forward to uh, checking out and, and uh, playing. And so I'm definitely going to pick it up now that I've had a little taste of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you haven't really played any of the Platinum games, No, have I you? haven't, Russ. It's a really, I really do appreciate the the approach. What do you appreciate, Russ? Platinum Games has always been a studio that makes a lot of these action adventure type Mm. games. And the way that they have the, the gamer go through the levels, they have a lot of these memorable moments that are set up in such a way that have real cinematic camera angles and these bosses are just larger than life and huge. And, uh, the, just a lot of it is just visual spectacle. They, and they, they really excel at wanting to make it just, uh, as dynamite as possible. And I've always appreciated that a lot of their games that they do. I mean, they've done Bayonetta, they've done, um, they had, they, they were, were working on that one particular game, uh, that got canceled, unfortunately, for Xbox. It was like the, the you had those dragons and you had the dragon riders and like he the, like they had some sort of huge sword or gun thing. And we were both um, talking about it a year ago. And then I think it got shelved or something. Got booted. I don't remember exactly uh, what was going on with that. But I wonder, too, if they were involved in that Metal Gear Rising game that you liked a lot. Remember we were playing that? Uh, I think it was... I can't remember if it was for the Xbox 360 or Xbox One, but it was that that kind of almost like spinoff from the the typical Metal Gear Solid franchise. Revengeance. Maybe that's what it was. The guy who had a sword that could cut through concrete. Yes. Yeah. That may have been. Don't quote me right. exactly 100% on that, but uh, anyway. We were also watching John Wick Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. Because Shawnee hadn't seen him. Oh! So he ended up really loving uh, Chapter 1. Of course. And uh, he did not care for Chapter 2. Right. So what else can I tell you? Oh, so as I was playing Sekiro, I got curious about From Software and its other efforts and games. And so From Software also made the Dark Souls series. And they made a game called Bloodborne that was exclusive to PS4. I've heard of these, these games, but I hadn't actually seen anything um, from them just because I had heard how hard they were. And I was thinking, okay, it's probably not my bag. But I started watching, um, there's this, this YouTuber by the name of Fightin' Cowboy. 
And he, of course, his channel, he has all sorts of gaming playthroughs that he does. And so I was watching some of the stuff that he was doing. And um, I got to say, the, even the other games that From Software has created, the art direction in those games are fantastic. I think I'll definitely pick up Bloodborne because it's kind of like this Victorian era period where you're kind of this Van Helsing type and you're, you're taking on all these monsters and stuff kind of in these London esque looking streets and stuff. And, um, it just, you know, it's another hack and slash type of game, but it looked like it was a lot of fun. So I'd be, I'd be curious to see what you think of it, Steve. I don't think that, I don't know. Well, you have certain games that, that kind of are in that same vein. I mean, the Devil May Cry thing, you're definitely doing a lot of hacking and slashing, that sort of thing. So. Pretty much all you do, Russ. Yeah. And by the way, I want to see you finish Devil May Cry 5, Steve. <sighs> Man, I have to plug in my, my headphones and listen to some music so I don't have to hear the constant repetitive sound effects and music in yes. that game. Yeah, I can, I can understand that for watching you do that, Steve. Actually, that could be kind of fun, though. You know, pick some some appropriate tunes and then just yeah. hack away. Play some Shakira. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, one of the things that I was playing, and I wanted to make you aware of if you were not aware, is uh, I popped in Sea of Thieves just for a little bit. No way. And I don't know if you know this, Steve, but the Spartan skins for the ship are currently available. Mm. So you can get not only the skin for the ship, but you can also get the wheel, the anchor, the cannons, the uh, sail, the, uh, what do they call it? The, the figurehead or whatever that goes on the front of the ship um, as the Spartan. So apparently Rare was making that available just during Gamescom. And uh, considering that, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to they're gonna be wrapping up Gamescom over this weekend, but I think you can get it until the 24th, which of course... When this podcast gets released, it'll be the 25th to the general public. So hopefully those of you who are fans of Sea of Thieves and want that skin, you can go in there and all you got to do is literally is just start a game and hang out for a couple of minutes and it's all yours. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. All you got to do is just lay down and take a nap. Pretty much. Have a grog. Okay. That's all you got to do. You got to make sure you're in the game. You know, you can't just stay at the title screen. You got to actually go into the game and just kind of fiddle around on an island for a little bit. And then lo and behold, you can go and check to see if you have it and you should. And it's just, it's fantastic. Cause that was one of the skins that recently we were playing with big baby moose and his wife. Um, that was a big deal just to see that. Cause it, man, that's a, that's a handsome collection of how you can turn your ship into something that looks very halo esque. Something sweet. I would say so. of the day is dedicated to the drama of what has been transpiring over this past week regarding Spider-Man. If you recall or may not recall, I don't see how you can't. 
Spider-Man um, was actually brokered in a deal between Sony and Disney so that the Spider-Man character could appear in the MCU's plot lines. And of course, we the fans have got uh, the, the best end of that deal in being able to see Peter Parker join the Avengers and, uh, you know, have a lot of fun in Infinity War and Endgame. However, there has been a lot of stuff that has taken place this past week. Steve, can you please fill us in as to what the heck is going on between Sony and Disney? Russ, it's all about money. It's all about greed. It's all about, <laughs> give me more money, okay? <laughs> uh, so basically what had happened is... This two, both, let's kind of digress a little bit, go back in time. Both studios wanted to make money and come to this deal so they could have the fans be happy, which mm. is a fantastic thought to have. Indeed. So originally, when Spider-Man was going to be shared within the MCU, Disney said, great, you can make all the money on the movie and finance the whole thing on yourself. And to what we just want is to have the profits for all the toys that are being sold. Mm. So Sony's not in the toy business. They said, fine. <laughs> so fine. fine homecoming came out and then far from home came out far from home has now reached 1.1 billion dollars mm. with a b as in boy as in bravo as in buckaroo <laughs> that's right and that's just spider-man that's not like infinity war in-game re-releasing blah, blah, blah. That's just Spider-Man. So Disney's looking at that and saying, hey, you know, give us a piece. We want some of that. Now let us help, help us help you. And somebody goes, uh-uh, we don't, we don't think so. We made a deal. We made a deal. <laughs> they, they, they instantly become yeah. New, <laughs> New Jersey Italian. That's right. We made a deal. <laughs> and we got to stick to the deal. So, so we got to stick to the deal. So um, anyway, Disney is leveraging Kevin Feige and saying, well, we're not going to give him to you. And then Sony says, okay, well, you're going to have all the fans upset because we're not going to give you Spider-Man. And so everything that we've both been building so far is going to come to nothing because uh, we have Spider-Man and the fans love Spider-Man. All the fans are going to be upset with you guys, basically, because uh, you are initiating this kind of breakup. So somebody on the inside leaks the deal, mm -hmm. leaks the a details whistleblower. on Whistleblower and says, hey, by the way, I'm just going to leave this right here <laughs> on the internet where everybody can see. I think uh, <laughs> this needs to be said. <laughs> <laughs> who, who leaked that? So this person is, uh, shall not be named, but uh, they're kind of a hero in a sense because sure. uh, the fans just want the, the best case scenario. The fans don't care about what kind of money that everybody wants everyone to succeed, but they don't really care what kind of money you're making. They just want to get, they want to pay you the money to see the movie and have you give them a good movie. Right. And so now Sony and Disney both feel the pressure. The fans saying work something out, but make it the best case scenario. And so, um, <laughs> the latest is John Watts is being kind of the rudder with, this whole thing because Feige's gone. I only have so much time. I can't. I'm not like I'm gonna want to do Spider Man, but I don't know if I have time to do it. You guys, to guys, do? guys, listen to me. There's only one of me, and there's a whole lot of Marvel. Okay, right. exactly. There's a whole lot of Marvel. There's Deadpool. And there's split everywhere. I'm doing everything yeah. I can. X Men, Avengers, Deadpool, Cable. You know, whatever. I don't know how much he's gonna be within the 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 Disney Plus Marvel stuff. Indeed. I mean, golly. 
So um, anyhow, more stuff is getting on the table and, and Disney's now saying, okay, well, um, instead of like 50-50, you know, they're saying, okay, what about maybe we'll just do 25%, you know, we'll help out with the financing. So that leaves a little bit, uh, you know, more on the table for you, but then we want also a 25% stake. What's also happening is that games such as Spider-Man for the PlayStation is crazy successful. Mm-hmm. Sony owns that, but they're in the works with Marvel with that too. Mm-hmm. And so you have, it's it's gone beyond the movies in a sense. And the, you know, the roots are deep, but it's basically Disney, not, not necessarily Marvel and Sony, but Disney and Sony. Mm-hmm. Marvel just wants to be happy for crying out loud. So, well, I think Marvel is an, is in a, an interesting situation too, where, Early on, when the the company was nearly bankrupt, and this is back in the '90s, I believe. Um, one of the things they ended up doing, because at the time they were just limited to their comic books, they didn't have these other media outlets to be able to sh- show off their IPs and tell their stories. And so, at that point in time, they literally were selling their IPs to right. any studios or any companies that were right. willing to invest in them and, and allow them to make some kind of money up front. Right. Well, that has come full circle now because now Marvel is a household name. Now everybody knows what Marvel is, and they're really having a blast getting to know all these different characters, which we've just scratched the surface of. And now there is like this this whole situation of attempting to bring all of the IPs back under one umbrella. And especially since Disney decided to buy Marvel and acquire them, they are now acting as the custodians moving forward for the, the Marvel company and franchise. So um, it's something that I find to be pretty interesting, you know, by and large is just this, I don't know. I love being able to see the irony of this where it first had started out with Marvel being just, like I said, mainly in comic books. And then they had some flirtation with like some little like short run TV shows and that sort of thing. But I do applaud Kevin Feige for just, he he's really spearheading this effort to actually bring all of these different characters and IPs back together again under one roof. And you can tell just by having like the, the, the acquisition of 20th Century Fox. That was a huge win for Kevin Feige and the MCU because now they have the Fantastic Four, they have X-Men, and they might even have a couple others I'm not even aware of that they, they do own. But now that's officially under the MCU roof, and I cannot wait to be able to see what happens with that. However, Spider-Man, you know, he is one of the most popular Marvel characters out of all of them. And Sony knew that from the beginning because they bought Spider-Man for 7 mil in the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, they bought Spy- the, the rights, like all the rights Way to Way back Spider- in the 90s. Correct. And Marvel said, okay, well, we'll give you Spider-Man for, for 7, but I mean, hey, we'll give you all of the Marvel characters for, I think it was like 21 or 22, 20-something 20 okay. million. And so Sony said, no, we just want Spider-Man for seven. We'll take Spider-Man for seven. That's it. <laughs> and so that's all they had was just Spider-Man. And so that left I mean, a bunch of characters from other studios to, to acquire and whatever and whatnot. So like Sony owns everything Spider-Man right now. <laughs> and the fans love, I mean, so I, th- I forgot Spider-Man one with the Tobey Maguire made uh-huh. a ton of money. Oh yes. And then Spider-Man two also made a ton of money. And then Spider-Man three came out. Maybe Spider-Man came out. Forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, so, but there's also plans of like this real life action, uh, spider verse 
deal happening and um, Tom Holland's got a few more contracted events happening mm-hmm. with both Marvel and Sony. So uh, whatever whatever deal happens with this, uh, Sony and Marvel, Disney, still have to work out the contract they've already have established. So whatever's going to happen with this deal is going to be like, you know, way further down the line. Yeah, and it's... I feel bad for someone like Tom Holland because I, for one, really love him as Peter Parker. I think he really embodies the persona of Peter Parker the best out of all the actors that we've seen thus far. And that's got to be awkward for someone like him, just having to play nice with both studios and just wonder, hey, how is this going to work out? And, I mean, even the fans, too. Like, it was was a huge success, even when we saw... um, Captain America Civil War. That was the first appearance we saw of Spider-Man within the MCU. And you can just tell that Kevin Feige's um, hands have just really helped bring Peter Parker to just like where he is today. And, and um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it is, it's, it's a blessing and it's frustrating at the same time because it's great to be able to have uh, people finally discover just how awesome these stories are and how awesome these characters are. But at the same time, now we're getting into kind of more of the ugly side of the bean counters and the people who really, honestly, if you were to like have them <laughs> give their their uh, truthful answers, their you know money is what they're after, right? And sure, they may think a character looks cool or whatever, but they're not in like emotionally invested in these characters, right? They're after the almighty dollar. So it's it, it gets kind of awkward because you're like, guys, if if the latest Spider-Man film made over a billion dollars, there's enough money to go around here. Right. And it's actually kind of funny because both Sony stock and Disney stock started taking big hits. And big hits is you know not not like 20%, but like a 5% in a day. A is noticeable a, hit. A noticeable hit. Yeah. That's a good slap in the mouth. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, that really got people going too. So it wasn't just the news and the fans getting upset. It was it was the the board. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, I had a, a buddy of mine send me something that I wanted to play from um, Screen Rant. And uh, this was a place that uh, the guy that's the same dude, but um, unfortunately, you have to forgive me. I can't remember his name, but um, he had uh, just a terrific video that he posted during uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, when all that stuff was going on. People were thinking, what the heck were you thinking? Are you guys guys drinking? Well, he's back with one from Spider-Man where he plays the three different parts. One is like a a Sony rep. One is from Disney. And the other one is just the writer who's writing Spider-Man. So I thought it'd be fun to share this. If you want to watch the video itself, you just got to go to ScreenRant.com and it's got to be up there somewhere you can find it. But I thought it'd be fun to listen to because he just, he really does nail the the, the kind of the frustration. You have a third Spider-Man movie for me? Yes, sir, I do. So I was thinking in this next one, we could have Peter Parker's whole emotional story revolve around Tony Stark. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah, so he's going to be on the run from all the... the. Hi there, hello. Who are you? Yeah, can I, can I help you? I'm the studio guy from Sony. I came to talk to you about that offer you made us for a new Spider-Man arrangement. Oh yeah, have you read that? I feel like it's a really good new arrangement. I'm going to make a ton of money this way. Yeah, but see, I kind of like the version where I make more money. 
But I like money, that's my whole thing. Ah, well see, therein lies the problem. That is also my thing. Uh-oh, that's not good. Well, I'm sure there's more than enough money to go around. Yeah, that's true. So there's really no need to argue as long as I get most of the money going around. Ah, uh, see, therein lies the problem. <laughs> I would like most of that money. You are relentless. Oh, I feel like I'm watching my parents fight or something. <laughs> oh, your parents are tight. <laughs> what? So listen, Sony guy, I guess we can compromise and you just give me everything I asked for. Uh, that is one way, or we can compromise and just keep things the way they are. Uh, it doesn't sound like I'd get more money out of that situation. No, I would. Listen, you don't even know how to make a Spider-Man movie anymore, but when we do it, we make over a billion dollars. I mean, we made Spider-Verse, that was like a masterpiece. That was pretty good. Pretty good movie. And we made Venom, which was, you know, just as good. Well, well. Well. So then it's settled. <laughs> I will make all the money and own all the things. That's not, no, no, I don't agree with that. I mean, just let us own Spider-Man. We own everything. You're being weird. You're being weird. I'm taking Spider-Man and I'm leaving. What? What? Yep, I'm leaving. You can't use him in the MCU anymore. Well, can I still use him if he just goes by Night Monkey from now on? No. Oh, dang it. Also, I'm taking <laughs> Screenwriter Guy with me. Oh, my God. What, what, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, he's coming with me. Well, this is just the worst day ever. Well, I guess I'd better go then. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna miss you, man. Loving you was super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Oh my god, love? Oh, did I completely misread our entire relationship? It certainly <laughs> seems that way. This was always strictly professional. Oh, whoops. Whoopsie. All right, we gotta go. We got some work to do. Okay, bye. Bye-bye now. So, you have a Spider-Man movie for me? Yes, new sir, I do. But was it really necessary to take a plane down the street? I don't know. Fair enough. So tell me about your ideas <laughs> for Spider-Man moving forward. Well, I thought we could start the new movie off with Peter on the run and he meets up with Nick Fury. Well, we can't use Nick Fury. He's in the MCU. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, well, Peter modifies his Stark suit. And... Can't have a Stark suit. That's MCU. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, so Aunt May and Happy are together. And... Can't have Happy. Well, that actually sums up my feelings pretty accurately. <laughs> tell you what we do. We go back a couple years, we meet Uncle Ben. Uh-oh. And then we kill that son of a gun. We kill him. Right. We kill him dead, and then we have, uh, I don't know, Green Goblin show up. Yeah, I don't know if people want to see all that again. Yeah, people love when that old dude gets shot. I mean, okay. Oh. 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 What's, what's, what's that? What's going on? Well, I think the news of this arrangement just broke. Twitter is going nuts. Uh, they're happy that Spidey's out of the MCU, huh? Uh, you know, not exactly, no. What are you talking about? Oh, oh my god. Yeah. I, uh, I need to make some calls. I think that would make a bit more sense if people actually saw that clip, because it's yes. all the same voice saying the same thing, but, um... <laughs> No, it, it was good. He played the, the like the writer of Spider-Man, the Sony exec, and the Disney exec. And so, yeah, I <clears throat> totally go check it out. Go to ScreenRant.com and, and watch it because that's half the fun is just watching his facial expressions and everything else. But didn't he do a good job of just kind of summing up just Pretty what much. you've been describing? Pretty much. But <laughs> I, I think there, there might be... Let me ask you, Russ. Yes. I like being asked questions. Do you see... Any positives if Sony were to get Spider-Man and that's it? Like if they if they got their they just walked away and said, you know what, Disney, sorry, thanks, but no thanks. We're gonna keep Spider-Man. We'll keep on making movies the way we want to make them, and you can do your own thing with the rest of Marvel, and that's that. Do you see any pluses? I don't know. Let me think about this. Think about it long and hard, right? <laughs> you know, when it comes to to the movies that Sony has made, I mean, Sony's made some good Spider-Man films before the MCU was even created. 
So there is something to be said for that. I think that one of the dangers that that just just it's at the forefront of of everything I'm thinking about is <laughs> so no pluses. <laughs> well, okay, so I like the idea of like for instance like like I think first and foremost, the idea of having studios play nice with each other and be able to share IPs is a truly cool thing. I really do approve of how they've done these multiple movies where Spider-Man uh, gets to, to play in Sony sandbox and with the MCU sandbox and, and have a story that like an overarching story that just kind of connects and weaves between the two of them. I think that's really, really cool because at that point, the viewers win. I think um, when it comes to this type of situation, though, like like if Sony were to take Spider-Man completely for itself, it effectively will cause Peter Parker to not be able to participate in any of the ongoings that make up the MCU. And as we both know, the MCU, part of its secret sauce is you get these little cameos of characters that exist in like the standalone films as well as like the group films. And while I think it was fantastic that Spider-Man was able to be in a number of those films, like like Infinity War, Endgame, uh, Civil War, that was super cool. And especially with having also Kevin Feige's input and influence with how this particular Peter Parker would be shaped with the standalone films that Sony was doing. You know, that, that's just a recipe for, for success. And honestly, everybody wins. I mean, you have the fans who get to see their favorite webhead. You get the studios who also get to see their bottom line increase over and over and over again, you know. So it's difficult because I, while I do think that they will be able to do the character of Peter Parker justice, because I, and I, and I do think that they will be relying um, you know, heavily on Marvel to be able to like gain access to information of, of just how these characters are as they introduce more villains and that sort of thing. I do think it's a detriment overall to the future of how this particular character is able to interact with these, with these other characters. Because if you look at the comic books too, Spider-Man does have more crossover events happen with other characters of the Marvel universe. So my, I mean, overall, my hope is, is that they come back to the table. They're able to work something out and just have business as usual. Let, allow Sony to be able to make the games there or well, yeah, the games and the movies. And, and that's even something that, that you, know, you briefly touched upon. Sony acquired Insomniac Games, which I, I mean, from that move alone, I applaud them for because I could see it as kind of a, a reply to how Microsoft has been on this aggressive acquiring mode as of late, where, the, where they've acquired Double Fine Productions, they have acquired Obsidian Entertainment, you know, that they, they've, they've acquired a number of different studios and they're building the Initiative, which is another development studio uh, down in, in Southern California. And I have a feeling that one is going to directly compete with Sony Santa Monica Studios in terms of like making like a God of War-esque type of high production value game. So I think in terms of Insomniac being an independent developer up until this point, I think it's a it's a really natural fit for them to become a first party for Sony. So good on them. But it's interesting how Sony is very much in this Spider-Man mode right now because I do believe that that is one of their golden geese. If you think of all the movies that Sony makes, 
Spider-Man is one of the crown jewels that right. they have. And they, they and I was reading about how they are planning on expanding that universe with sp- like movies for Spider-Gwen and for the different um, villains and that sort of thing. But I do think that there comes a glass ceiling of sorts where once they've explored all those films, sure, you'll be able to make X amount of money with them, but that smells to me of a short-term gain. And I think if you're wise, you want to be looking far into the future. You want to have a long-term return on your investment. And I, the only way I see that happening is if they were to partner up again with Disney, allow Spider-Man to be a part of the MCU, that sort of thing, because then you just, you, you what you're doing is you're creating purpose. You're creating additional conflicts and motivations for the character to exist. And Sony can only reboot that franchise so many times before fans get tired of it. And I think that's what, what we saw with um, having, you know, you, you had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and then they rebooted it again with what was the Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield. Thank you. And they, you know, they, they kept retelling like, you know, like the, the origin story of Spider-Man when they didn't have to, like everybody already knows the origin story of how Spider-Man came to be. We need to move forward from there and see what other types of trials and tribulations come across his way. Honestly, that while they do have like those certain characters that they're able to play with and, and see what they can do in the short term, I think that they're going to be suffering in the long term. And honestly, I think they should avoid it. I think that they should, they definitely need to work out whatever it is that they need to do. Um, and even, you know, and, and I think that the blame is is on both sides, honestly. You know, I think Sony needs to be thankful for all the stuff that the MCU has done because that has caused them to make even more money. But I also think too, I mean, Disney has enough money. Like Disney, they make money hand over fist. I mean, they, they are huge. Like, do you really need to make uh, 50% profit on this, right. on this movie. Maybe you do, you know, from a, a quote unquote fair standpoint or how much involvement you have. I and mean, obviously Disney brings a lot of value to the table, but at the same time, it's like, I think it's, it, it turns into more of a, um, a bean counter brawl of sorts as opposed to, okay, what's best for everyone. Right. And I, I don't know the figures of how much money Sony made or if anything, from the Avengers movies with Spider-Man being in there. Maybe they didn't make anything. Maybe they made all the movie, all all the movie, (laughs) all the money (laughs) with the Spider-Man movies and and Disney didn't. Oh, I'm sure there's probably some sort of clause in there that states because they own the IP of Spider-Man, they probably received a percentage of the, the, the profits from the, the Avenger movies. Possibly. But I, I think it's, I think it's shallow if someone, if they, Agree on a deal, and they go, okay, you know, handshakes all around. Good deal. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. handshakes and butt swats. All right, good game. <laughs> uh, all the way across the room. <laughs> and then they think that the deal that everyone agreed on is now not good enough. And so then they have to come back to the table and say, well, hey, we want to renegotiate this because we now think that you got the better bargain of this deal. And Sony would say, well, wait a minute. We agreed on the terms of this deal. We want to keep this deal to the end of the deal, and then we can renegotiate. And how about that? And Disney's just saying no because we want literally more money. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. So I think Disney is more at fault than Sony is. So hypothetically, if let's just say Sony walked away from the entire thing and Disney Marvel did their own thing and Sony just continued with their whatever they want to do with Spider-Man, I do think 
playing devil's advocate here, that we would still get good Spider-Man movies. Mm. I mean, let's. I mean, Kevin Feige's not the only talent on the planet sure. who knows about the Marvel universe. I mean, I mean, go on YouTube. There's plenty of fans who grew up <laughs> reading all of these comic books and know how these characters need to be depicted on the big screen. So. Number one, we would still get, I think, some pretty decent stories because everyone's got it figured out by now what fans want. And we would most likely get a Venom, like a rated R Venom Carnage movie, which I think that is, would be a really, really good thing. We already see that it worked with Wolverine mm-hmm. and we see that it works with Deadpool. And when you have Venom and Carnage, no one's going to want to see a PG-13 version of that. And if if that's what comes to the MCU, Venom and Carnage, whatever, it's going to be PG-13. That's what all Marvel, Disney movies are going to be. It's PG-13, and that's going to be that. And while that's fine, some characters in the Marvel Universe are more violent a bit than uh, the other characters, and that's what fans are going to want to expect and see on the big screen. So... In a sense, there could be a, a good thing uh, if they walk away, and there could be a bad thing. I kind of, I'm, I think the negatives can a little bit outweigh the positives if uh, if Sony walks away. But um, I don't know what I, what I'm afraid of is if they renegotiate the deal, and then Sony now gets the raw end of the deal, and from from here on going. Disney will say, well, now you have to have us and whatever movie you make because of this deal. And that leaves Sony kind of in the, in a bad space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's kind of more of the, the kitty gloves coming off and having the bare knuckle brawls that a lot of the, the behind the closed doors wheeling and dealing goes on. And, and for me, like I'm, I'm more predominantly focused on uh, in the end of all things, do the moviegoers win? And I just, I really do champion that notion because, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. You know, I, like I said, I think that there's a, a good intention to try and bring all these characters under one roof. I think that they've been actively trying to do so and, and they've had some wins and stuff, but I mean, you bring up a good point too, about how Disney as a company is not exactly known for throwing out rated R films right. and the reality and the truth honestly is that there, like you said there are certain marvel characters that are just more violent they're more brutal um and if you were to try to uh put a cap on that or um, just water them down yeah yeah if you water them down or or you you try and neuter the amount of violence i mean honestly that's part of what unfortunately makes or fortunately, whatever you want to, however, however you look at it, really. But I mean, the some of the violence is what caused them to become the character that they are today. So, I yeah, I th- I think it's a good point, just because other studios have no problem doing it and they're able to, to tell those stories. But I think Disney is a bit um, in new water here. You know, because like, for instance, they have Deadpool now because they, they acquired 20th Century Fox. I know. That was a Fox film. And everybody has been saying that the, the any kind of Deadpool sequels, it still needs to be rated R simply because that's the type of character. That he is. That he, exactly, that he is. And so, I, you know, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see like how Disney decides to go about this. I do think that the Disney of today is much different than the Disney of, say, 10 or 20 years ago. Which is true. I think that there um, has been a lot of, of um, ideologies that have been kind of changed a bit 
not necessarily a bad thing, but also just, you know, I, I don't think that, that some decisions that have been made uh, would be the same decisions that Walt Disney would make if he was still alive. So who knows? Who knows, like, what the future will hold when it comes to some of these things. But, um, but I mean, obviously, it's a hot-button issue. I mean, even with D23 kicking off this weekend, you know, just, just so you guys know, we'll be talking about all the announcements of D23 on next week's episode of Joygasm. Um, you know, if I go on the Instagram and, and I go to like the Marvel page or the Disney page and they're showing like pictures and video and stuff from, uh, the D23 expo so far, literally like almost every comment. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of comments per picture that get posted. It's all about Spider-Man, right? No one is saying, oh, look, it's Robert Downey Jr. getting his hands placed in cement for, as a, a Disney legend or anything like that. You know, like, while well, people are happy to see that, literally, like, all the comments are just Sony, Disney, work it out. Sony, Disney, work it out. Why is Spider-Man going away? Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. It is the, the hot button issue that's going on right now, and the fans are not willing to have all this other uh, pomp and circumstance uh, kind of fog or cloud the picture, get them to forget about the uh, situation that Spidey is in. It's almost as if you can draw a line, a, a parallel, if you will, mm-hmm. from our little talk about the white collar, blue collar with the joygasm featurette of the weak rust. You know what I mean? It's like the, the fans are the blue collar who just have captured Slimer. And Disney and Sony execs are like the hotel manager who says, I'm not paying that. (laughs) And they go, okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and leave. We'll just go put this right back in here and you guys can suffer. And then they go, no, 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 wait a minute. It's, it's interesting for sure. We're like, and I, for one, am going to be watching this as I'm sure you are as well. Just like, okay, what are going to be the, the latest announcements? And I wonder who that whistleblower is, honestly, because <laughs> we have no idea if, if, if they worked for Sony or for Disney or the MCU or just somebody, who knows, just somebody who's just like, this is after <laughs> somebody who had their ear on the door. Like, what, wait, what, what are you hearing this right now? <laughs> I'm still going to post this. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>